Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fair 64, the video game podcast about news, occurrences, first impressions, reviews, and what's coming soon, and probably more, but uh, I'm forgetting about the other things right now. Welcome! I hope everyone is having a good week or weekend, etc. Um, I might be getting this this episode out a little bit later than usual, but probably not, seeing as I usually get I usually edit these pretty quickly. But it is football Sunday, so I'll be MIA for a little bit from editing. And uh, of course, yesterday I was helping my sister move houses, so I'm I'm all sore and got up late. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I, you don't really care about that. I'm just waffling on at this point. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the first part of the podcast, which is a two for two parts here. Uh, we got the final review for two games, Starfield and Cocoon. Let's jump right in. All right, welcome to the final review. Remember, if you're listening to this or watching on YouTube, to leave a fat like on it if you enjoyed what you hear. The first review, I'm sorry, the final review for today is Starfield. Uh, Starfield is a game that I've been playing on and off for quite a, a while now. And it is, um, it's a bit hot and cold for me personally. It's, it, the game starts off in a very weird spot. They throw so much information at you and just kind of let you go for the most part. And I really felt it was like, a good like hour or two into the game when they finally take the chains off and kind of let you do what you want to do where the game started to become much more um, feasible for me to continue in the long run. That's not saying that um, the rest of the game was a beautiful affair that, <laughs> that I, I loved a hundred percent, but I will say by the end of my time playing Starfield, I found myself finding enjoyment in the game. The level design and, and how the levels worked became so much more interesting. And then finally, the conclusion was pretty cool, which I'll get to at the end of the podcast. So the starting planet for this game is really not worth exploring. Um, I uh, This game starts you in like a mining colony and you're mining in the mines and you find an artifact that gives you a vision and this group called constellation makes contact with you and the guy's like well i'll just take your spot here uh, you can take my ship and robot and go <laughs> so after defending the outpost for a minute uh you take the ship and you go and then the game teaches you how all the different nuances of flight control and different weapon systems um and then you fast travel to the constellation base uh, and that's kind of where your adventure starts, per se. But before you can actually start doing what you want to do, in in my opinion, I mean, you can just go to whatever planet you want to go to. But in my opinion, uh, it's better to just kind of go the straight path until you get back to Constellation a second time. Because Constellation takes you to the moon and Mars and I think another another planet in the, in the solar system. 
Um, and then you go back to Constellation with another artifact, and that's where they kind of let you go. You have a few missions to choose from, a few companions to take with you, uh, and you kind of go from there, doing whatever you want to do. And that's where I started to really start to enjoy my time with the game, where I could just kind of go around and do what I wanted to do. I joined the Rangers, and I was doing missions for them, and the main quest line for the Rangers is really cool. And then I joined the UC Army, and I was doing a covert mission for the UC Army, and that was pretty cool. Um, and eventually, I got back on track collecting artifacts, and a lot of the artifact collecting is just like, eh, go into a cave, unearth the artifact, leave. <laughs> Um, and a lot of the, you can get like special abilities while you go through the game too. And those are relatively the same where you just kind of like go to a place, you find the tower, you go inside the tower, you move around a little bit and then you get a power and the powers come in and come in handy later on in the game, of course. Uh, but I was starting to get, I was starting to feel a bit of that monotonous grind that is, that's associated with just doing the same task over and over again. And that was starting to kind of eat its way into all different aspects of the game. So, like, the mission structure for the Rangers missions, they're just repeating. So, you go out into space, you kill a pirate captain in a cave or in a, in a base, or you go into space and you fight a pirate captain in a spaceship, or you save a captured crewmate on their ship. It's just one of those things that's like, okay, maybe a little bit more variety would have helped this a lot and there are other factions that you also do missions for that are just constantly repeating and i guess you can't really expect bethesda to make a hundred percent like super unique missions um but it does start to get a little boring to do the same thing over and over it's a good xp grind that's for sure and good money grind as well but for a fun factor it was starting to get a bit stale but that's when i finished the main ranger quest line which was really good and I acquired a really good ship that I kept for the rest of my playthrough. And up until that point, I thought the ship combat was dull and dry and just a big load of nothing. But once I got this new ship, and then I discovered that you can upgrade said ship, I went hog wild. And I knew that you could build your own ships and stuff in the from the trailers and, and, and developer updates. But I didn't really jump into it in this in in starfield because i i figured that they were going to allow me to buy ships that were good enough that i could pilot around and do what i need to do with um but no i mean any any ship that i bought was either i couldn't fly because i didn't have the perk unlocked to fly better ships or or they were just super weak and they sucked and i amassed quite a collection of just kind of sucky ships for a while um, and I would buy them and being like, oh, this seems better. And I would use it and I would be like, no, this isn't better than the first ship you got. Um, eventually I, I, I finished a couple quests that gave you better ships. And I, I stuck with the Ranger one cause I had been upgrading and doing stuff with that one. And that made the space combat so much better. Like I could take on f like entire fleets of ships. Like there's a mission where you actually go against the entire armada of the Crimson fleet, the pirate organization. And I just decimated like. 15 20 ships with my one ship and i was like yeah i'm feeling now i'm feeling now so there is a slow burn with starfield there there is a quite a slow burn but once you start loving up your character kind of building them the way that you want to build them building your ships as well that's where it really gets good 
Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of the opposite. Well, not really opposite, but but kind of the inverse of Skyrim or Fallout, where the game immediately grabs you and it immediately kind of starts giving you tasks that are interesting. Uh, I hearken back to Skyrim and its opening with the you know you're in the cart and then you're about to get your head chopped off and the dragon comes and these two factions you can you can choose to help one of the two factions and and then you go to a little town and there's the golden claw quest that I think most people do immediately as they enter the town and it's just one of those things that's like that really gets you into the game you really you really love the game from the beginning um same thing can be said for Fallout 3 maybe Fallout 4 definitely New Vegas um, so this one didn't really, ha- I mean, it, it's definitely a Bethesda game through and through, but it didn't really have that hook that I needed at the very beginning. Um, but luckily about two or so hours in, I started to find the game much more enjoyable. Uh, and I, I was doing things that were actually interesting later on with the constellation quests. Um, there's some really interesting level design that I really enjoyed. Uh, one of them was like this multiverse multi-dimensional level where you were switching back and forth between two dimensions it was kind of like the titanfall 2 quest where you're going uh, back and forth in time um it was it was really good i really enjoyed that uh some quests were were much grander than i was expecting you know you start off and you get a bounty put on your head and the uc fleet picks you up and they're like hey we need you to do this mission and that's where you like um, start doing the Crimson Fleet stuff, and you, you start infiltrating them. And, of course, you can choose to either help the pirates or, or destroy the pirates. It's one of those things that's like, yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's that it's that Bethesda kind of charm to it where it's like, yeah, I mean, there are some really good made levels here, but there's also that Bethesda uncharm or non-charm where it's like a lot of the bulk of this game is just like go here and then kill this dude and then go back and claim your reward or something like that. Um, a big problem that this game does have is scale. And I'm not saying that the game is too big. I'm saying that the game doesn't really show its scale well enough. Uh, every single thing you do in the game is just fast travel or warping or something like that. If you want to go to a different system, you tab out and you press L or whatever button it is on consoles uh, to pull up your missions, and then you can just chart a course from your mission log, and that'll take you to the exact planet, uh, to the exact landing spot. You go there, you orbit, you land in the exact spot you need to, and then that's it. There's really no free-flowing space exploration. Even on planets, you are stuck to a confined area that's relatively large. I don't think most people are going to find the boundary for the uh, for the area, but... That, that being said, you know, it, this is definitely not No Man's Sky, um, which some people would say, oh, that's good. I don't want this to be No Man's Sky. But if you think about it, No Man's Sky now is a very revolutionary and very well-crafted game. Obviously, when it came out, it was pretty bad. It was poorly received. But it still had that idea of you can go to any planet in this solar system. Uh, you can land on them yourself. You can land anywhere you want. You can fly anywhere you want on the surface of the planet. Uh, you can go anywhere on the planet. Um, it's all fully rendered in, and, and and of course, it's like procedurally generated, but so is Starfield's planets for the most part. I mean, there's some planets that are kind of like handcrafted by the developers, but, you know, that's the thing. Uh, maybe this game does suffer a little bit from just being so big i i think that maybe if they had a couple of solar systems that had really detailed planets and stuff that you want to explore you could actually fly to them 
on top of fast traveling if you want to and fly around the planet. I think that would have been great. Uh, but instead, they opted for the, oh, we got to make the, a huge world and huge uh, universe and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, may, maybe we should have trimmed that down a little bit, trimmed the fat a little bit, and made a more cohesive and coherent um, story and and ex- exploration for for all the world. And of course, no matter what you do, people aren't going to be super jazzed about either. You know, being being held to a couple of solar systems or having the fast travel everywhere and just having a giant world <laughs> or universe to explore. Um, on top of that, the perk system—it's Bethesda, so you know you unlock perks for uh, sneaking around, weapons, uh, jetpacks, space combat, hacking, charisma. Stuff like that. Um, it's all. It's all. You, you know. You pretty much understand all of it. Uh, you can have one. You can have one person following you through the entire game, or no one if you want to. And there are perks related to those two things as well. Um, I had. Uh, I had Sam Cole. Cole. Sam Cole. Follow me around for quite some time, and then I had um, uh, the first guy you meet follow me around for most of my game. Um, and then in the end, I kind of went. I kind of went in solo after a certain point in the story. So. Yeah, you know, it's um I think that in general it's a good game. I I enjoyed my final half of the playthrough. The first half of the playthrough, I was very negative and I was very much like hot and cold with the game. Uh but as I went through it and I got to that I got to the point where the mission started to get more interesting and more stuff was happening, that's where I really got excited to finish the game and I ended up playing for like six or so hours straight uh, the day that I did finish it because I was so invested in what was going on. So um, if, th- if that tells you something there, then, you know, whatever. But if it doesn't, ah, who will? <laughs> the other thing that I want to mention is there's been like this kind of, I don't know, pop going around this game that there's so many random events in it and blah, 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 blah. Um, and one of the videos was this guy who found a ship and he boarded the ship and he rescued a random person who was captured on it and he thought that it was so cool that a random event like this could just be waiting for you in the universe and i had to hold back um i i i I, i'm not a big fan of posting um on youtube and commenting on youtube anymore and places like that because i'm not like i'm not in it for like the argument that's going to ensue from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about um not saying that the person who made the video doesn't know what they're talking about still I, i just i wanted to mention that the mission that he found that was quote-unquote random was actually a mission that is given to you from the Rangers. Uh, everything in this game is a mission somewhere. So even if you run out on, you know, even if you find a random planet, you land there, you go to a facility, and you run into a beast that's stalking you, and it's kind of like a horror game all of a sudden, and you go through this whole, like, um, you know, kind of quote-unquote random storyline where you're trying to hunt down the beast inside the facility... Yeah, that's a part of a that's a part of a quest somewhere in the world. Um, same thing with 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 most things that you're any any settlement you go to, any mine you go to, any any blah 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 you go to. Usually, if there's something in there, there's a quest link to it, um, which is kind of disappointing in some ways, but also not because it's like okay, you know, some people would never go to a backwater planet like this and and go to this specific cave to find this weapon or this pirate chief or whatever. Um, so yeah, the, the the stigma that the game has so many random events um, is is kind of false. 
because there are missions associated that will take you directly to that very system, that very planet, that very moon. Mm-hmm. And they, they, it's, it's one of those things that um, hate to burst the bubble, but that it is what it is. <laughs> On top of all that, um, I think the graphics are fine. Uh, oh, well, good, even. I would say good. Uh, facial animations are pretty good. Uh, there are some times where you do feel like you're talking to a robot where... Um, you know, when when someone's talking to you, they have to like look at you. Even well, even if they're not talking to you, they'll they'll like look at you. It's very strange. Um, so like if they're having a conversation with someone else and you butt in, all of a sudden, even if they're ha- even if they're talking to the other person, <laughs> they will look at you while they talk, even if they're not talking to you. It's kind of weird. Um, but other than that, I, I thought that the graphics were good. The music's great as well. Really enjoyed the music. I love all the detail that they put into the game. Things that you never would want to inspect in your life. Uh, you can inspect anything from from sandwiches uh, to desktops and stuff like that. They did a great job of, of designing the world and, and making it full of detail. Uh, there's a there's a couple different weapons you can use in the game. Obviously, there's probably more than I use myself, but once I got the Lawmaker and its upgraded variant, I pretty much just used that on top of a pistol that was really good. Um, there's plenty of places to visit and characters to meet, of course, and uh, I do love how the New Game Plus starts in this game. It, it pretty much just takes up after the ending of the game, which I thought was fantastic. Um, the true negative points that I have for this game are the opening, first and foremost, uh, for a Bethesda game, it doesn't really pull you in, and then it also just gives you way too much information right from the get-go. There's a lot of copy-and-pasted assets on most planets, um, like the same base or the same cave, you know, the same layout, the same enemies. It's weird because they kind of touted how each planet had its own ecosystem and stuff like that, but yet I see the same alien creatures halfway across the galaxy. Kind of weird. Um, but, you know, I understand that it's a obviously it's a game, and they probably didn't want to design vastly different animals for each area but that being said maybe don't tout that as a as a as a selling point for your game if you can't do it uh there's plenty of glitches in this game uh shake like characters shaking uncontrollably or being stuck in weird positions um things unrendering and then re-rendering in cutscenes it's kind of weird um and then of course i i think the the final point is like if you're not willing to level up your character and work on your ship then you're going to have a worse experience. And, of course, that just it just takes time to do all that. None of that, you know, that isn't detrimental because it is a part of the gameplay, but it's still something that could be a barrier for entry for someone who's playing the game for a couple hours and they go, I feel like I'm underpowered, I feel like nothing's happening, um, and that could be detrimental to their experience. But all in all, I did enjoy my time with Starfield. It's a Bethesda game, so if you don't like Bethesda games, it's going to be one to stay away from. Um, but but you know kind of what to expect when I say it's a Bethesda game. You kind of know what 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 to expect. Plenty of characters, plenty of quest lines, repeating quest lines, special powers, um, a, a cool story, some good mission design in there, um, et cetera, et cetera. Glitches. <laughs> um, I think Bethesda should really be proud of what they made because this is this is quite a large game. It, it's 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 a quite a feat to make all th- all this kind of work um but contrary to what todd howard said the game doesn't just work uh it it does have a lot of things that need to be worked on to make it just work but um unfortunately it's not completely there yet but it's close enough that i would say yeah i would definitely recommend playing it if you haven't yet 
Um, even even just doing the Game Pass version on PC or Xbox, um, I think that would be perfect, and you can get a taste of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think the last point is I think they oversold it in a couple areas. They talked very highly of the exploration and, and blah 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 blah, and it just wasn't exactly there. It's it's not it's not No Man's Sky. It's Starfield. It's not, you know, whatever compared to this. It is Star. Starfield is Starfield, um, but it's it's easy to make a comparison between other spacefaring games uh, because you know Bethesda obviously was inspired by the concepts of No Man's Sky, but they couldn't deliver on the same level as that. Even the base game for No Man's Sky had you going from planet to planet, being able to circle around them land anywhere you want without boundaries without invisible walls without blah 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 as it stands right now if you go to a solar system and you try and fly to a planet it's just a jpeg alana pierce on youtube i believe she was also a reviewer for ign at one time proved this fact by flying straight at a planet for like seven hours or something like that and when she got there it was literally just a jpeg of a planet or a png of a planet um and she went right through it you she couldn't land on it so a little bit disappointing in that aspect um, of course, they make up for it by making the world so easy to fast travel around, but that's also a bit of a deterrent as well, simply because, oh, now we're going to trivialize exploration, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean. In the end, uh, I thought it was fairly good, a little glitch heavy, um, not living up to the quite the standards that I wanted, but that second half of the game is so good and things start to click so well. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it with a four out of five. And that was the final review for Starfield. Here is the final review for the game Cocoon. Uh, make sure if you enjoy what you're hearing that you leave a like on this video. Or if you want to listen to the entire podcast, Ferris 64 on all podcast platforms, even YouTube. Let's jump into Cocoon, which is by the same person who created Limbo and Inside. Two very good games, in my opinion. Both of them kind of horror-themed, and um, Cocoon kind of totes... Uh, it's kind of... What's this, what's the saying? It kind of is on that edge of being a bit horror-related, but not really. Uh, there's some sections that are intense, for sure, and there's some imagery that is kind of horror-ish, but for the most part, it is less horror and more just like a top-down kind of exploration puzzle game. Um, and much much like in uh, the style of Limbo and Inside, the, the visual style of the game is very strong. Um, the visuals are, are very well done in the game. Um, it, 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 definitely, uh, it definitely looks great. Um, it, the top-down perspective is, is new for this developer um they usually do 2d side scrolling games um and much like those other 2d side scrolling games cocoon is also a one hit kill kind of game <laughs> um but you really don't have combat until you get to like a boss encounter and i'll talk about that in a little bit so the main crux of cocoon you wake up and you're on like this desert world and you find this orb and the orb allows you to travel to a different world, I guess. And you can actually pick up orbs and put them inside each other and use them inside each other. <laughs> um, and it gets really, like, this concept gets pretty complicated by the end of it. You started by just kind of like, oh, this orb can do this. 
uh, and and I can walk around and use the orb for switches and le- uh, and and pressing um, and activating platforms and um, it it can do all sorts of things. Um, and the, and the, I guess the game is a bit basic in a way where it's just like walking around and pressing one button, but they do a lot with that concept. <laughs> Let me tell you, this orb can do so many things just on its own without the without any of the multi-world orbing. It's pretty it's pretty impressive what they what what they've done with this with this game. So once you defeat the first boss, now the orange orb can reveal pathways uh, and allow you to walk on things that were not there before. Pretty cool. It's a it's a great way of pushing the game forward and you really can't go backward in the game much like limbo and inside there's really no going backwards in the games um so the same thing happens here where they close off paths once you've done everything you possibly do or everything that the main game requires you to do and then you move on um so you go from pressing switches and 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 lifting platforms with your orb to walking across platforms and making platforms appear out of nowhere um having uh, the orb be in many different places at once, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to really explain because you kind of got to play the game in order to kind of fully understand it. Um, so I'll try my best. Uh, but eventually you get to like a point where like you get an orb that shoots, I guess, lasers or whatever you want to call it, the short little lasers. And you put another orb in front of it with an orb inside of it. And the laser goes into that orb and then hits the other orb inside of it. And then that hits a switch. It was just, it's just, it's it's one of those puzzles and one of those things that's like really like whoa that just did that and it, it, this game is full of those moments where the puzzle is just so perfectly executed and when you finally figure out exactly what they want you to do you you have you have that i don't know maybe not jaw dropping moment but you have that moment of like eureka and you and you move on to the next thing or maybe you almost get it and you feel like you have that eureka moment but then they're like, oh, but you got to go back and get this ball. How are you going to go back and get that orb? It's one of those funny things. It's like, okay, <laughs> all right, you got me. You got me. <laughs> you got me, Mr. Carlson. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's one of those games that, like, if you, if you enjoyed Limbo and Inside, it definitely is not the same as either of those games. But <laughs> I think you would enjoy this one, even if you don't like those two games. This one is something completely different from the same developer uh that is definitely worth your time it's worth playing it's it's a it's on game pass so you could try it out with for like five bucks a month which is not that bad at all or you can or you can grab it on steam for a pretty low price i think it's like 10 bucks or something like that or 20 um it's not too bad at all and it's definitely worth every penny uh for for this game um it, it just the the music is amazing the graphical style is is fun the encounters with bosses are interesting. I loved the boss fights in this game. It kind of reminded me of Fury for a minute, but it also, you really don't have any offensive capabilities, but you can grab things and throw them at the boss, or or I, I don't want to give too much away because it is a very, very fresh game. Um, you know, the game's not too long. It's going to take you about four hours to beat, but, you know, the, the, the amount, of, um, amount of just unique and fun puzzles is overwhelming sometimes like there's just so much going on um even up until the very end they're they're throwing some some new thing at you and and i really i really just smiled my whole way through this game it was it was definitely a game that 
you kind of get once in a while where it's like, oh yeah, this is just all gelling so well. This is just is just like the peak of an indie studio doing everything that they're that they're good at while also expanding their horizons and doing stuff that they have they have never done before. And that is super cool. Love that. Love that a lot. Sure, a lot of the early puzzles are a bit basic. Oh, all you got to do is pull this thing here and then walk over it. Wow. <laughs> but as but very quickly as it goes as it moves on, it does start to really layer on top of itself and um, it's kind of how I mean, you know, the game Cocoon is kind of, you know, a layering on layering on layering on layering game and there's so much going on. I forgot to mention that a lot of the like a lot of the characters in the game or or I guess enemies bosses even your character yourself they're kind of like hybrids between machine and insect which is a really cool and that's kind of where the horror aspect comes from because you have these large beasts that are like kind of mechanical kind of organic insect like i think inherently a lot of people are afraid of insects or don't like insects i you know whether it be a cicada or a spider or well, i guess a spider's an arachnid but still my point stands where you know it does have that uneasy feeling at times because the creature design is is so weird it's so interesting and you yourself are this weird amalgamation of machine and flesh and it's just it's one of those cool cool things um and uh, unlike limbo and inside well i guess unlike limbo there really isn't a depressing slant to this one and unlike inside it doesn't it, it the, the message in that one in, in inside is is um something something individuality <laughs> you know <laughs> uh this one the message is a little bit more jumbled i would say it's not as in the front so you it, it does make you think about it um a little bit and and you know you got to realize what exactly the creator is going for in this one so all in all i would definitely 100 percent recommend cocoon if you like puzzle games, you're gonna have a it's it's a it's a it's a unique and experimental puzzle game. If you like games from this developer, um, Jeppe Carlson, then yeah, you're definitely gonna want to try this one out. Why haven't you already? <laughs> That's <laughs> why haven't you? Um, and if you don't think that either of those things are your vibe, I would kind of say try it out anyway. A lot of people are afraid of trying something different, trying something new. You don't have to play Fortnite all the time. You can try something different, and this is definitely something different, and it's something that's really well executed. I don't think the puzzles are so difficult that you're going to get frustrated. I really only... I mean, I, I did get stuck on a couple puzzles here and there for sure, but I really only had to really stop and, and get... I, I got really, like, uh, stuck pretty much all the way at the end when it was supposed to be a bit more difficult of puzzles to solve. So I think that the puzzle solving is, is open and it allows you to ease yourself into it. And you don't, I mean, you know, I, I would say most people probably aren't going to get stuck for too long on, on most of these puzzles, but um, they do get more difficult as they go on. It's not like the Talos principle where kind of immediately off the bat, you're, you're given some pretty tough things to solve. It, it does it does warm you up to the idea of how these orbs work and what they can do, um, and what your character can and can't do. Um, and I think that's a great. I think that's great. I think it does a good job of easing the player into it and then making things progressively more difficult or more intricate. Um, and the the boss fights. I mean, you know, they're, they're not gonna. They're not going to. Uh, take you too long to beat um i i the i really was only stuck on like the third boss fight 
for a for a couple of tries and and that was it. I, I think that um, they're mostly there just to kind of give you a little bit of an intense of that intensity. You know, one hit kill. Oh my god. Um, and, it, and the bosses are a bit of a puzzle in themselves as well. So very good. Um, I really, really loved Cocoon. This is definitely going to be one of my favorite games this year. Um, and uh, this, this is probably, what, the second game that I'm going to give a 5 out of 5 to. So definitely check this one out. And that was the final review for Cocoon. All right, let's move on to what have I been playing this past week i finally got around to finishing pikmin 4 and you might be asking oh why don't you do a final review for that yummy i feel like it's been too long at this point i think if i had finished it earlier in the year when the game came out i probably would be and if i was doing this back then i probably would have done one um but uh yeah you know i i i had actually finished pikmin 4 a couple days ago and then i got i went back and i was like i really want to do hundred percent. So yeah, I grinded I grinded out all the purple Pikmin you need for the gold bar and I finished up all the areas and I cured all the uh, all the um, stranded people and that was it. Uh, the game ended and it brought me back to the main menu and that was, this was at the time that I was actually traveling back and forth from from where my sister lived and it's like a two and a half hour drive and um, as soon as the main menu hit and I saw the save icon go away and I was like, oh, how much battery do I have left? Uh, my console actually turned itself off. <laughs> so I was very lucky and fortunate to to finish it up before it turned off. Um, Pikmin 4, you know, uh, this is a game that I never would have expected me to like back in the day. Like when I was a kid and I played Pikmin, I think it was Pikmin 1 on the GameCube, I didn't get it. And I was very bad at the game. And going and playing Pikmin 4 fully, this is like my, my this is actually like the first Pikmin game that I've really played. Uh, definitely one of those games that um, I was not expecting to be so enamored with it. I, I really enjoyed my time with it. If it wasn't for the slow load times, I think it would be a perfect game. Uh, but because it's limited to the Switch and the older... I mean, Switch is older hardware at this point, and I have an original Switch, so maybe maybe the OLED version loads faster? I don't know. If it wasn't for those long load times, I really would have been... Uh, at, on on the cusp of a 5 out of 5 for this one. Um, but the problem is that there's so many loading screens because, you know, when you go to an area, it has to load the whole area. And if you go to a cave, it's got to load the cave. And if you go to the next floor of the cave, it's got to load again. And it's got to load for the cutscene. And it's got to uh, load back. And once you're done with the cave or dungeon, I guess you could call them, you go back into the main, you got to load that. <laughs> And then when the you know when every when the day is over you got you know go you see the cutscene then you load again for the for the hub area and yes it's a lot of loading and the long load times really do start to get annoying as you go through it because it's just it happens it has to load a lot um, you know when you're normally playing in an area it's fine because you're just kind of like the area's already loaded everything's there you just kind of gotta do your thing. And those those moments are great, but when you go into a dungeon and you have to wait for it to load those dungeon levels, and it feels like it's taking forever, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, especially the final dungeon for this game is like, it's like, I forget how many levels it was. I think it was like fifty level levels of a dungeon in a row. It was a boss rush that I guess usually happens at a Pikmin game, from what I've read. Um, yeah, it was just it was a lot of like, oh man, this is like I'm getting I'm 
I'm making progress, but it's so slow because of the fact that I am having to load so often. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, obviously Pikmin 4 is great, really enjoyable game. Um, and I would, I, I, I'm sticking with the 4.5 out of 5. I think it's really good, really enjoyable. Um, I've never really picked up and played a Pikmin game in my adult life, and I'm glad that I picked this up and played it because... It's really fun. I love Ochi, and I love using the dog to run around and collect Pikmin and defeat enemies. And I like the upgrade system. I like the uh, resource gathering and the and the Dandori battles and and challenges. I love those things. And the nighttime stuff was a bit repetitive from time to time, but the last few levels were so good. Uh, the rest of them, you know, were kind of like okay, defend the defend the hill all night, and you know, there's really not much going on, but. By the time you get to the end, there's like bosses showing up and stuff, and that was that was pretty intense by the end of it. But yeah, really enjoyable. Four point five out of five. Definitely check this out if you want. I've been playing Lies of P more and more. Um, I am now at the boss fight with like the grotesque blob, <laughs> I guess you could call it. And this is the first boss fight that's really. Um, really exhausted me um I, I i tried it a couple of times and i ended up having to to take a break and i i, I didn't get back to it because i had to do stuff this weekend but um i'm real i'm raring to get back to it i really love liza p i think that liza p is definitely one of the it's one of those rare souls likes that are not from 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 software i hate saying that <laughs> um that definitely leaves an impression it, it definitely like the the graphics the combat the systems like yes it's inspired by you know this 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 and this like hero bloodborne etc um, but it definitely has its own vibe it does its own thing it's not just the bloodborne clone it's not just a Sekiro clone it's it's definitely its own thing um it, it definitely does what it's i mean it, it does things that you wouldn't expect a from software game to do uh, and the level design, it's a bit more straightforward than I was hoping, but I don't mind it too much seeing as they're, they, they do, um, they, even if a, even if a level is more of a straight shot, there's still a shortcut you can use, or you can learn the layout of the level and get through it faster. Uh, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, you know, it, it I could definitely tell why they didn't put a shortcut here because it would be redundant to have, you know, such a straightaway with a, with only like a one big group of enemies and then a fight at the end of it. The other thing that I didn't really know when I first played it was uh, what you're wearing actually makes a difference in the game. So if you're wearing, if you're not wearing anything except your basic Pinocchio clothes, uh, people will know that you're an animatronic and some of them will actually attack you or they'll say different things to you. Um, and if you're wearing like the you get the donkey outfit early on, and there's another um, outfit you get from the same group of people who are like the hunters or whatever they're called. You can actually there's actually an NPC that you meet later in the game, and if you wear one of those outfits, they'll I think they're called stalkers, the stalker outfit. They'll actually let you pass without having to fight them, which is really like I was like, oh, I, I accidentally did this. I was just wearing this outfit because it looked cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, that that's one of the that's one of the things that I really liked about it. Um, of course, lying is a big part of the game, um, but it's kind of opposite of the or original Pinocchio storyline where they you know lying's bad, don't ever lie. 
in this game, it's you kind of need to lie to do things from time to time, which I guess is going to affect the game in some way later on. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how or why, but we'll see. I'll see. So yeah, uh, it's definitely a game that I would I would totally recommend the Souls fans. It's it's a game that um, you know it's it's got it's got a cha- it's got challenge to it, but once you learn the pair, you you know kind of stri- you know striking the line of parrying and dodging at times when you need to. That definitely it definitely gets uh, it definitely gets a little bit easier, but it's still a difficult game. Like I'm still you know even though I kind of breeze through a couple bosses, I did die a handful of times to each of them. So it's not like it's not like I'm just going through them boom boom boom. Like I I'm taking my time with them. I I die a couple times and I learn their moves and you know you learn the you learn how to do the the perfect parry and and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just one of those. And there's also some regular enemies who are kicking my ass too. Like there's just like enemy that like has like a I, i'm saying like so many times i i'm so sorry it has like a hammer and and, and flame attacks and it, like the first time you meet one of them it was just holy shit like it was it was a tough battle it is it's, it's in such a cramped location too and it took me a few times to it took me probably about 10 times to get past him but um, yeah, that was that was really cool. Really enjoyed that. Uh, there was a section in the game where you had to like drain toxic waste from an area in order to fight a side boss, which I thought was a super cool idea. Um, so yeah, very very good game design. Pretty good level design. Love the mechanics of the game as I'm learning it. Definitely excited to jump back into it. Um, probably later today or whenever. And yeah, I, 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 I'm very invested in Liza P. And now the question you might be asking yourself is, oh, would this game be for me? Me, a person who might not be a Souls fan, or me, maybe a person who struggles to like Souls games, or me, a person who likes a Souls game, but not the ones that are from software or more difficult. I like Jedi Survivor, but would I like this game? And to answer your question, to all the answer to all those questions is probably not. And here's why. One, the game does require precise timing. The enemies are very aggro, aggressive. Um, blocking, it allows you to save yourself from a full hit, but you still need to, you still lose health from blocking. So uh, you can't get it back by hitting the enemy, kind of like Bloodborne. But if you just get hit on without without blocking you lose the health and and the enemies can actually regain their health by hitting you um before you do a massive attack on them so it's it's a very give and take kind of game it's very unique in that way two uh there are some regular enemies in this game that will truly kick your ass and test your patience um and then that is just a fact that is just a genuine fact and three uh, I think that the game has a bit uh, has a couple obscure things about it that are not going to click with people right away, and it may deter someone from continuing the game if they're struggling. Um, the first, the first, uh, I'm not the first area, but like the second area you go to, it's kind of like this big kind of circle area that has a couple shortcuts in there. Let's say someone doesn't realize that they can open a shortcut there, or maybe they run into the, the area where the enemies are knocking you off of a, a bridge because you're going through it too fast or too slow. And it's one of those things that's like, it's a very give and take kind of game. And I do feel like it can really build up frustration, especially if you're someone who doesn't usually play Souls games. You don't know really what to expect. So if you like 
if you like Jedi Fallen Order or Survivor, this is probably not going to be the next step for you in your journey of playing Souls games. Uh, Fallen Order and Survivor are Souls games at their core, uh, but they're much more loosey-goosey. They're much more forgiving. Yes, they do still have challenge to them, but you know, it's a, it's a licensed Star Wars game. It definitely is not as difficult as something from from software. Um, but the next step, I mean, you know, it's a good starting point. It's a good starting point, and then after that, you can kind of mill around, see see what else clicks with you. And and I said this in my Discord, and I'll say it again, Liza P might be the game that clicks with you. It's if you're interested in the in the in the world and the and like the quality of Liza P, there's a demo out. Try that. It's on Xbox Game Pass. Try it there. Uh, it's on Xbox Game Pass for PC and for console. So you can try it in both those locations if you don't want to fork over the full price for the game. I, w- I understand completely. Um, also, yeah, uh, it, it only takes one Souls game to really click with you to get you into these kind of games. I remember back in the day, I had played a couple of Souls games, including Dark Souls uh, 1 and Dark Souls 3. No, 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 not three. Uh, Dark Souls one and two. I had played both of those, and I just was not into it. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't do it." And it was back when I was like just getting out of college, or maybe it was I was in college and I was trying these games because you know a lot of people were praising them. And uh, then Bloodborne came out, and it was a gothic type game. It 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 didn't require super intricate character building and stuff like that it was really just a one-size-fits-all kind of game and i played through with a friend at the time who showed me the ropes and got me into it and by the time i was done with my first playthrough of bloodborne i wanted to get the platinum on it and i got the platinum and then i went back and i played dark souls 1 and i played dark souls 3 and eventually i went and played dark souls 2 but that's a story for a different time actually i talked about it on fair 64 back in the day if you want to check that episode out i guess uh, you know, and then uh, you know, another game like Sekiro comes out, and I I wasn't vibing with it, so I didn't I didn't, but I, I would like to get back to it. And there's so many other Souls games that come out that I never would have tried in a million years. Mortal Shell, uh, Floors of the Fallen, The Surge. Uh, you know, there's a there's a whole bunch of games that are Souls like, and and some of them are are like Hollow Knight and and Tales of Iron. Like there's some that are completely different. Blasphemous is another good example. They're they're not they're not they're they're Souls games, but they're not the same as you would expect and i think there i think there truly is a souls game for everyone if fallen order and survivor are your souls games that's great if dark souls one is your souls game that's great wherever you start is up to you and if lies p is the game that gets you into it don't let me i'm not going to stop you i'm i'm not here to to stop people from playing a game that they want to play if they want to play lies p play it see if you like it maybe you'll maybe you'll maybe this will be the souls game that really clicks with you and opens the door for the rest of the world uh, of Souls games, but uh, I, I'm not going to gatekeep anyone. You can play whatever game you want, and you can spend the money if you want. Uh, but I do know for a fact, if you don't, if you're, uh, if any of those things that I said before apply to you, um, maybe stay away from it. But for me personally, really enjoyable, and I love it so far. And the music is great. Uh, it's definitely a, definitely a banging soundtrack, especially when you get the little records that have songs on them. Lovely. All right, let's let's flip the switch. Uh, Payday three finally got the plate after the servers have been down for a couple weeks. Uh, just the just the reason why you shouldn't make your game always online, even when playing private matches. But uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, 
I think I found out that I'm just not a Payday fan. Uh, I played Payday 2 a little bit. I mean, I would say quite a lot back in the day. But I really only played the Bank Heist mission because I found the other missions to kind of be annoying. There's one where you're making meth. There's another one where you're... Uh, I don't even remember exactly, but... And Payday 3 is kind of the same where they start you off with, like, a really good bank heist. And then the rest of the levels are just kind of, like, weird. <laughs> like, oh, we're robbing a bridge of precious materials. Oh, we're robbing a jewelry store. Oh, we're robbing a nightclub? <laughs> and even though they've definitely, I guess, improved the game in terms of the levels are a little bit more involved. Like the bank heist, you start off by, you know, robbing the bank, cra you know, cracking the vault or blowing the vault open. And then you got to escape with the cash. And instead of just escaping on into the van, um, you know, of course you can always go back and get more cash and then escape, but you have to like lower some gates for the van to come in. And, um, you know, that, that's the big change or like the bridge mission I was talking about. You actually have to hack like a, a truck, and the truck will drive across the bridge to the pickup point, and and you got to open all the, you got to lock pick all the cases and put the put the loot into a helicopter, and then at the end of the level you have to run to the extraction point on the other side of the bridge. And I mean the level design is kind of interesting. It's not it's not terrible, but I think the general gameplay of Payday is just kind of bad, and that stems all the way back to Payday two and one. It just it feels the same as those games. I I really was hoping that they were going to improve how the games feel, but they really are just arcade shooters, and it's not like a it's not a really good arcade shooter. The series is just not good. Uh, the shooting has always felt bad. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And the AI enemies, the police. I mean, there's some really new annoying enemy variants. Um, like there's this one that like does a bunch of dodges and then like makes a lot of noise when it comes near you and knocks you on your feet. It's just so weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, of course the annoying shield guys are back and, and like the police seem to take way more bullets than they should at times. And it's also like a game that's like, okay, we're heisting this place and we are just killing thousands of video game police officers. And it just doesn't, there's something about it that just doesn't click with me. You know, like <laughs> while I was playing the other day with greedy waffles, I randomly in my mind was like, oh, that that police officer had two kids and I felt really sad. <laughs> it's a fake video game police officer, but I was just thinking about like, damn, like this is, we, we killed like a hundred, 200 police officers here. <laughs> like, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about the game that just doesn't, it is not clicking with me. Maybe I'll play, I'll probably play more of it. If, if greedy waffles wants to, or someone else gets the game and wants to play it. But it's just not one of those games that, like, I, Payday has never been a series that I've been super jazzed about. I, I was excited to try out this this game, and after the abysmal launch and just playing it, I just I kind of soured on it, and I don't I don't know, I don't know. All right, and for games that we streamed, uh, we finally finished Marvel's Avengers. What more can I say about this game? Um, it's bad. It is. I'm glad they're taking it off of storefronts. If you bought it for your, you know, five dollars or whatever, consider yourself lucky. Um, I bought it for sixty, and I just got around to finishing the main quest of the game, which is the reassemble quest line, and it is just bad all around. And I know in my ending rant for the game, I didn't say not everything I said was 100% accurate, but I feel like that ending rant. It's probably going to just, just kind of show my feelings for the game 
better than right now my calm demeanor is going to. So let's take a trip back in time to the final stream of September and relive the rant that is Marvel's Avengers. Anyway, as I was saying, even if even though this game is $4 right now, which it will be delisted soon, don't buy this. This is a P this is literally just corporate garbage. They they made a Marvel's Avengers game. They made a Marvel game, I should say, that combines several elements that are meant to make money. And that is literally the only list that is this is literally the only reason that this game was made this way is because the greedy bastards who funded the development of this game forced Crystal Dynamics to put loot elements, loot boxes, all these other things that require money back when the game released. Okay? They they put all this bullshit into this game. And you know what happened? People didn't like it. You know why people were more negative about this game than a game like Destiny or Fortnite? Is because this is a huge IP. It's coming from a studio that's never done something like this. <laughs> and guess what? Guess what? Kids are going to be playing this game. Not a lot of kids are playing Destiny. Not a lot. I mean, obviously, a lot of kids are playing Fortnite. But this is this is a this is a franchise that is based around young kids who like to see their superheroes in different costumes. And here we are putting in all these outfits that require either tons of grinding or tons of money. They can't keep getting away with this. Oh shit! And I know, I know the argument. Like, oh, think of the kids. It's not really that important, but. In the long run, and just thinking about this game as a whole, like, this was such a monetized piece of shit. And that campaign is also just complete garbage towards the halfway point. It just takes a total dip, both in writing and and level design. Uh, it's just, oh my god, like, give me a freaking break. Like, wh why... Why would they do it like this? It could have it could have been a third person hero cooperative brawler. You could keep the level design the same, just take the gear system out and just have the skill points for leveling up your character. That's all you fucking needed. Have the have the extra costumes be unlockable by finding secrets in levels. That's all you fucking needed to do. But instead, they make it this bloated fucking mess with gear system skill point unlocks all set all you have to play as each and every character in order to level them up they can't just be with you or in your party you have to play as every single character in the game to level them up i i mean i mean <sighs> god damn and, and 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 the fact that they are shutting the game down completely just tells you that it was a complete I see failure. Why Guardians of the Galaxy is better. They're shutting down the game, which tells you that it was a complete failure. I mean, it was a failure from the get-go, but at least they I mean, at least they tried to make it right by releasing these DLCs. Uh, and they tried to make it right by putting the game down to so little money right now. And uh, but but in the end, 
in the end, it doesn't even matter because the initial the initial thoughts about this game from everyone across the world stayed the same. The game is still the same game that we got at the beginning of this all, except now we have all the skins unlocked and we have all the DLCs unlocked for free because the game is being shut down. Think of all the people like me, okay, like me, that paid $60 for this game. And the campaign sucks. And the after-the-campaign stuff probably isn't going to be much more fun. It's all the same shit. Defend this area. Hack, th hack this thing. Break this giant robot. <sighs> unbelievable. <laughs> like, actually fucking unbelievable. And the other point of contention is that Spider-Man is only available on the PlayStation version. You can't get Spider-Man on on PC or on Xbox, and I understand that, yeah, there's Spider-Man games that are solely on P on, on PlayStation. Uh, but for a game like this, <laughs> kind of kind of weird that they would do that. So, I have no other choice than to put this hunking pile of steaming garbage into the F tier, because not only is the game not fun, and not only is the story bad, uh, but the game is just Shit in general, I will bring it up a million times, this gear system is not fun. The gear system is not fun. It's not it's not good. We're what are we we're upgrading Hulk's ribs and Captain America's helmet and Thor's fucking hammer and Iron Man's heart. Uh just and and it's so stupid how they mash the gear system with this skill point system. Uh like, what are we thinking here? What are we fucking thinking here? Do one or the other. A game that this is can be heavily compared to is Godfall. An, another game that is story-driven, okay? But it's a, a, a hack-and-slash, beat-em-up, looter kind of game. And that also failed. You know why? Because people don't fucking like those kind of games. <laughs> this gears... Like, this, this fucking... Online always fucking bullshit mechanics, fucking dirty, greedy practices don't fucking connect with players, okay? <laughs> the base game sort of has to be good before you can start siphoning cash from people. <laughs> so fuck this game, and and you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't want to think of this game anymore, actually. You know what? You know what? Fuck this game. Actually, fuck this game. And, and and having the campaign end on a QTE section after you've built all these characters up and leveled them up and blah, 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 to end with a QTE section, to end where you, you're forced to play as Captain America through like three levels in a row, to end this game with such a stiff and restricted final level that's introducing not only new enemies into the game in the last level, but also they had the audacity to put a fucking tutorial message midway through the level about blocking with Captain America's shield after we've already played three levels with him. <laughs> Unbelievable. A tutorial message in the final level of the game. The official final level of the game. I understand that there's more content afterwards. There's plenty of DLCs. But to put a tutorial message in the final mission of the fucking game. Unprecedented. Unfucking precedented. They're teaching you how to fucking run and jump in the first level that you, that you play as Captain America again. They literally taught you how to jump again and how to fucking wall run again. 
Do, do the developers of this game think that every single player who plays this game is stupid? Who needs to learn how to jump? Who? And if you're going to teach me how to use R2 to block all damage, do it in the mission after it where we are playing as Captain America. You, We have to play as him in the next mission. So why? Why don't we get the tutorial for it there? No, they put it in the final fucking mission after... Most people probably already played tons of missions with Captain America doing all the little side content, all the little side missions. No, we have to put a fucking tutorial at the very end of this fucking game. We have to introduce new enemy types at the very end of this game. <laughs> oh, gotta gotta prep them for for the uh, the 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 actual start of the game. The actual the, this game gets good after the reassemble storyline, guys. This game gets better after you finish the campaign. Fuck that. The main campaign of a game, the main reason that you start playing the game should be good. 50 out uh, 20 hours after should not be when the game gets good. That's a if the game is not good until if the game is not good until 20 hours into the game, then it's a bad game. <laughs> Why should I invest more time in this game if the start, if the, if the whole reassemble storyline, the main meat and bones of this experience that you are going for, is bad? Why would I invest more time into that? What? Tell me why? Why would? Why? <laughs> why should I invest more time in your game if you're not? If you're not going to spend the time to actually build an interesting story and actually have a good conclusion for that story and then give me the post content. No, it's because they want you to keep playing the game, keep grinding for better gear, buying their fucking shit, <laughs> you know, buying the DLCs. They want you to keep playing the game. So what they do is they go, oh, Destiny, this worked in Destiny, having the campaign end and then having the bulk of the game open up afterwards. But here's the difference between Destiny and Marvel's Avengers. Um, it's the fucking Avengers, okay? People are more invested in these characters than Joe Schmo, who's who's shooting a gun in Destiny. <laughs> Maybe the DLC chapters make everything better. I don't give a shit at this point. Honestly, I just don't give a shit at this point. This game is trash, and I'm glad that it's being shutting to shut down. I'm glad, and you know what? I am glad that I have a physical copy of this game because now, oh baby, the price on this on this sixty dollars game is just gonna skyrocket. Now, the price on this game is just gonna. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this game into a box, and I'm gonna make sure it stays pristine. That just stays pristine. You know why? Because this game is gonna be worth five thousand dollars in the future because they're shutting it down and delisting it. <laughs> But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. If they ever decide, which they which they were going to originally, if they ever decide to completely shut down everything about this game, it'll be completely un, uh, unplayable because you need an internet connection in order to play it. So if they go, eh, we're taking the servers offline, eh, we're taking the multiplayer offline, eh, we're taking everything offline, guess what? Now your disc is just a fucking, uh, a fucking drink of... Uh, 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 one of these things, okay? It's just one of these things. A thing to put your drink on. And it's, it's funny because during the campaign, they were like, oh, Captain Cap Winter Soldier is available to play as, uh, and Spider-Man's available to play as. Could I play as them in the, in the main campaign? No, of course not. They wouldn't let me do that. So why give me the message that says, 
You can play as Winter Soldier. You can play as Spider-Man. When I can't! I can't play as them until I'm done with the main campaign. Or if I go over here to this Play Now bullshit. And like I said, not everything I, uh, I said was completely accurate there. But I was really peeved about the tutorial at the end of the, at the last level of the game. And just how they babied you through it. Uh, I was really not a fan of level design. Um, I like the open world aspect of like the levels are a bit open. But there's just it's just one of those games that really... Could have been could have been so much more than what it was and and yeah so don't recommend Marvel's Avengers it is F tier uh, F tier yeah all right let's move on to what's in the news all right first up the Knights of the Old Republic remake or Kotar remake is. Uh, in some hot water right now, uh, they PlayStation uh, was taking down videos of the uh, of the reveal and stuff from YouTube and Twitter. Um, I believe they cut it out of the original state of play that it was showcased in, and people were saying, "Oh, this is the end. This is it. They're done. It's done for." Um, if you don't recall, they uh, gave over developing duties from Asper to. Um, who I forget who Embracer group, yeah Embracer, uh, which you know was was an interesting thing to do. Um, obviously Asper was working on the re-releases of the older games, older Star Wars games. Uh, so maybe Sony thought it'd be better for a bigger studio to to take up the the remake. Um, but what happened was uh, Knights of the Old Republic footage. Well, not footage, but the, the the reveal trailer, which is pretty much just uh, Darth Raven showing up out of nowhere and uh, igniting his lightsaber. <laughs> so it's nothing, like, too crazy. Um, but uh, essentially it was just that, and uh, there was apparently some music in the background of it that, they, that the license expired for the reveal trailer. Um, and so what, what Sony did was, hey, you know, instead of re-upping the license, I guess, for the music, they just took the video down from all different social media platforms and uh yeah uh so this has been quite a rocky series of events for the remake of of this beloved game uh i i i never really vibed with knights of the old republic but i felt like a remake could uh make it more accessible for me or or other people who didn't really vibe with the original gameplay of those games and um it's uh it's unfortunate that um it's we're probably I mean who knows when we're gonna get an update on this maybe the next day to play maybe the next year <laughs> it's hard to say uh, but as of right now uh, Kotar is just kind of just kind of sitting there in in our minds you know is this gonna be another um, Beyond Good and Evil two situation or Dead Island two situation or Skull and Bones situation I mean there's <laughs> I don't know, and and you would think since Sony was funding this and publishing this, and it was going to be exclusive to the PS5, you would think that we would have more information about it by now or whatever. But it seems like Kotar is going down the same rabbit hole as something like Metroid Prime Four. Um, but at least Nintendo owned the music to Metroid Prime Four, so they didn't have to take down the the reveal of the of the game. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe there'll be a re-reveal in the coming months or coming year. I guess we'll have to wait and see. On top of that, there has been a class action lawsuit filed 
over the Kotar 2 DLC being canceled on Switch. Uh, so uh, the developer Obsidian Entertainment, publisher Asper, um, decided to not uh, put the DLC for Knights of the Old Republic 2 called The Sith Lords onto the Nintendo Switch eShop. Instead, uh, because they canceled it, they gave people free Star Wars games. So they said, here, you can have a code for the game on Steam that includes the Sith Lords DLC, or you can download the original Knights of the Old Republic or Jedi Knight or Jedi Knight 2 uh, for free. Um, and people were not completely happy with this. Uh, there was a lawsuit called Malachi Mickelson's Mickelonis, which is probably the lawyer group, versus Asper Media Inc., um, it was filed in July requesting a jury trial with the defendants required to respond by the 4th of October. Uh, so in a summary by The Gamer, here is kind of the the main gist of this lawsuit. In 2022, defendants Asper and Saber advertised Knights of the Old Republic to users of the video game console Nintendo Switch as having never before released restored content DLC Plankteth and numerous other consumers were excited about the new content that defendants claimed was coming soon. In fact, Knights of the Republic sat at the top of Nintendo eShop rankings. Plankteth felt completely duped. Plankteth did not even play Knights of the Republic after purchasing it. Instead of choosing to wait until the restored content DLC was released, defendants did not provide the restored content DLC, but refused to give consumers a refund for their purchase of Kotar. So essentially, what these people want is a refund now nintendo doesn't do refunds once you buy a game um it's it's yours uh you can get a refund from sony but um after you install the game you cannot get the refund anymore steam is the friendliest place to get refunds they'll let you play a game all the way through and if it's less than if you've played it less than like what three hours or something like that or is it two hours then boom, you can you can get, request a, a a refund, um, and you can do it up to like if you can do it up to like a week or two afterwards. It's great. Um, so I don't know I don't, I don't know if they're planning if, if if they're gonna get money from Asper or Saber or whoever. Um, maybe maybe after this they'll be like, all right, fine, we'll release the Sith Lords DLC. I don't remember exactly. I I know I talked about it in a different episode of the podcast. I don't remember exactly why the Sith Lords DLC was was um was no longer being released maybe it had something to do with the licensing it was too much money to license or maybe i don't know maybe sales weren't as good as they were hoping i don't know uh, but it seems like a group of people who are very who very much love star wars and was planning on playing this on the switch uh they decided to get together and sue asper so we'll see what happens. Uh, something tells me that this is going to be stuck in court for quite some time, but uh, I guess we'll see. All right, Epic Games. Um, not known for their good decision-making or good platform for downloading games. Oh, got them. <laughs> they laid off over, over nine, almost 900 employees. Uh, Mediatonic, the developer behind Fall Guys, was the hardest hit. Um, it is said that 16% of all of all employees have been laid off in uh, Epic Games. Um, of course, this is the cruel world of business, as I've been saying a couple times now these past few episodes, but it's true. The cruel world of business is that uh, they got to save money wherever they can. 
Um, so laying off people is probably the only way that they can see feasible to save the, the to save money. Forget about generating new profits by having groups work on new games and stuff like that. No, fuck that. They even they even canceled a game called Hyenas from Creative Assembly, uh, and they I, I believe they completely destroyed or I don't know if they just canceled it or or whatever. I don't know. Um, they did confirm that Miatonic has not been dissolved, but multiple employees have taken the social media to share that they've lost their jobs, um, including the director and writer of Fall Guys. Ed Fear, who said, unfortunately, I am one of the people affected by the layoffs today at Epic. Um, it wasn't really, I mean, I, I thought it was only a year ago, but it was, it was actually two years ago that Mediatonic was acquired by Epic Games. We all thought that they were going to make the game even better. But what happened was we had one great season of Fall Guys content when it rebooted itself. And then after that, it fell off of a cliff. And before that, it also had fallen off of a cliff. So, um... It's unfortunate that so many people lost their jobs, and I do feel for them, and hopefully they can get new work in the future. Um, but also, shame on Epic Games. Why? Because on top of sacking 900, almost 900 employees, they announced that they are raising the prices of V-Bucks, the virtual currency for Fortnite to buy skins and season pass content and all that good stuff. So starting October 27th, the price of V-Bucks is going to increase in the Czech Republic, Denmark, Eurozone countries, Hungary, Japan, Norway, Poland, Romania, Sweden, Turkey, and the United States. They already raised the prices in the UK, Canada, and Mexico. In a I guess they were testing the viability of raising the prices. Uh, pretty shady. Um, in, the, in the case of the US dollar, they, they pretty much increased the prices one for, for, for 1,000 V-Bucks, it used to be seven ninety nine, about eight dollars. They raised that one dollar, so the price of a thousand V bucks is now eight ninety nine or nine dollars plus tax. For thirteen thousand five hundred V bucks, it was previously eighty dollars or seventy nine ninety nine, but now it's been raised ten dollars. So if you want to get thirteen thousand five hundred V bucks, you're going to have to pay uh, ninety dollars plus tax. There you go. Pretty great. Pretty cool. So. On top of laying off so many employees and buying all these new properties, they decide to raise the price of their digital currency, um, which is, yeah. It's, I find it hard to be sympathetic about a giant corporation that has a billion, a multi-billion dollar franchise. Okay, I understand they have to pay money to have Marvel and DC characters and PlayStation and Xbox and... And all sorts of characters in this game, from anime to whatever. I understand that the price the, 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 is probably uh, a lot of money being spent there. But you are also making millions, maybe even billions of dollars every single week off of the sale of, your, of, 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 the, of this currency. Because the game itself is free. Unless you buy like the one of those versions that has like skins included. But the base game is free. Okay, you don't need to pay any money to play the Battle Royale Fortnite. So all the money generated comes from these V-Bucks, of course. And of course, they're going to raise the price because it's the cruel and calculated world of business. But, but you can't, oh boy, I guess you can, you can raise the prices and, and, and fire a bunch of employees. You can do that. 
Uh, but last I checked, Fortnite was not in hot water. Last I checked, Fortnite was still the top of all uh, of all time in making money. Uh, last I checked, thousands upon thousands of other battle royales and games try to mimic themselves off of Fortnite and fail. You are there is no there even even Apex Legends and Call of Duty Warzone do not take a fraction of the players away from Fortnite. So tell me why you need to raise the prices on this stuff. And also, tell me why, at the same time, you need to fire so many employees to save some some money, cut some corners. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah, no sympathies for me. <laughs> for, 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 oh, poor Epic Games having to raise their prices because they're in financial dire straits. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Moving right along. Hideki Kamiya who was the lead on plenty of games like Resident Evil 2, Devil May Cry, and Okami, also formed Platinum Games, who, and he, of course, headed the studio for the development of Bayonetta, The Wonderful 101, Astral Chain, and Beautiful Joe, uh, and along with uh, a new project that they are working on called Project GG. We don't, have, we don't know what it is yet. Um, but yeah, he, he is leaving the company. He's leaving Platinum Games um, in a Twitter post. He says, as announced on the official Platinum Games Twitter account, I will be leaving Platinum Games on October 12th, 2023. This came after a lot of consideration based on my own beliefs and was by no means an easy decision to make. However, I feel this outcome is for the best. I will continue to create in the Hideki Kamiya way. I hope you'll keep your eyes peeled. Um, so, you know, his, his games have always been... A bit on the risque side, Devil May Cry for sure. I mean Bayonetta. I mean the main character herself is very risque. Um, I almost wonder if Nintendo was pushing for more of like those what they did with Bayonetta three, where they had like a safe for work version. And I wonder if he was not super jazzed about that because that does. I mean, you know, you know, whatever you might want to say about you know the the portrayal of different characters in these games. Um, it's it's a style and it's definitely a uh, place of inspiration i guess it's definitely uh, he has like it, it's it, it it's it it's it's the hideki kamiya way okay <laughs> you don't question it for the most part and maybe he just didn't want to cohere, cohere to the uh, to the to the rules that nintendo ha had placed before them um, all their games have sold really well uh, astral chain was a hit bayonetta was a hit I mean, think of the games in the past, like Okami, even though that was like a sleeper kind of game, it still became a cult classic. Uh, Devil May Cry, obviously, it's been huge ever since it was released. Uh, so it's unfortunate that he's leaving the company, but um, I'm sure he will move on and, and create things even better than what he's already done. So there you go. In related news, Jim Ryan, the PlayStation head CEO has uh, decided to retire in March of 2024. Uh, so about a year, less than a year from now, he'll be stepping away from his role as the CEO of PlayStation. Um, so we won't be seeing him on State of Plays anymore. Hiroki uh, Totoki is going to be the intern CEO of, uh, at his position. So uh, we'll see what happens. In a press release, they said Mr. Tokot Totoki will work closely with Sony Group Corporation Chairman and CEO Kenricho Yoshida and the management team of Sony Interactive Entertainment to help define the next chapter of PlayStation Future, including the succession of the 
uh, CEO role. Um, so Jim Ryan, he left a comment on Twitter and said, After 30 years, I have made the decision to retire from Sony in March of 2024. I've relished the opportunity to have a job I love in a very special company, working with great people and incredible partners. But I found it increasingly difficult to reconcile living in Europe and working in the in North America. I will leave having... I will leave having been privileged to work on products that have touched millions of lives across the world. PlayStation will always be part of my life, and I feel more optimistic than ever about the future of Sony Entertainment. I also want to thank Yoshida-san for placing so much trust in me and being an incredible, incredibly sensitive and supportive leader. So he actually joined the company back in 1994. He worked his way up, assuming various positions within, within the European branch of the company, and later he eventually took over as CEO. Uh, the current, I guess, Japanese CEO, Kenirichiro Ken Yoshida, said, Jim Ryan has been an inspirational leader throughout the, his entire period with us, but never more so than in overseeing the launch of the PlayStation 5 in the midst of a global pandemic. The extraordinary achievement made by the entire Sony Entertainment team has been steadily built on, and the PlayStation 5 is on track to become their most successful console yet. So I know a lot of people don't like Jim Ryan, and I know a lot of people don't mind him. Um, obviously, he's not as charisma char charismatic as Phil Spencer or even any of the Nintendo uh, bosses or CEOs who appear in state uh, in their Nintendo directs. Um, yeah, I never, I've never really disliked him. I just, I just felt that he was like a very vanilla kind of CEO. He was, he was very. Very much like this is a CEO and nothing else. Um, he he didn't really relate to I don't know gamers too much. I would say like he he's not a he's not a he's not a character in the gaming world that you go oh he's a gamer. Nah, he's kind of just a CEO and I'm sure he played plenty of games, but he didn't come off that way, especially during his appearances in different press junkets. He just. I don't know, he's, he, like I said, you can't, you can't have Phil Spencer in every single co company, but, you know, or Reggie. Maybe Reggie's going to take over as PlayStation CEO. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, um, I don't know. Mixed feelings, I guess, across the board. Um, so we'll, we'll see who takes his place, and maybe maybe this is the reason why he stepped down. Maybe he realized he's he's just not fit for the, the ever-changing world of... Um, you know, kind of being a face of a company. And, you know, when you think of PlayStation, you don't really think of Jim Ryan. You know, when you, when you, when I say Xbox, Phil Spencer comes into your mind. Major Nelson would come to your mind, too. Uh, he, he left that company a bit, a bit ago. Same with Nintendo. You, you, you see the faces of the company. You don't just see their mascots. But for Sony, it's really just their mascots. It's, it's Nathan Drake. It's um, Aloy. It's, it's Kratos. It's... You know, Ratchet and Clank. You know, there's there's a bunch of a bunch of different characters you think of. You don't think of Jim Ryan, and that's that's what that's why I circle around to. He's pretty much just he's just a CEO. So maybe maybe Sony's gonna put someone at the CEO position who is more, um, I don't know, ingestible for a general video game audience. But uh, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Um, so good luck to him in his future. Sayonara. Okay, we have two Netflix anime slash cartoons coming out one of them is devil may cry uh, this is going to launch sometime soon uh, it's coming soon um, it's being headed by a south korean animation studio called studio mirror who also worked on the legend of korra voltron legendary defender 
Dota, Dragon's Blood, and The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf, along among other things. It's being spearheaded by Adi Shank Shankar, who is the producer behind the Castlevania anime. Um, so, yeah, I mean the little the little uh, teaser they showed looked, I mean, fine, and the soundtrack was bumping. So I'm sure this will be fine. I think I'm sure this will be good. Um, it looks it's on it looks on par, like the little bit of animation we got looks on par with like the cyberpunk um, and the Witcher series. Um, so we'll we'll see what that uh, what that uh, looks like when it eventually comes out. Um, there was a different Devil May Cry animated series back in 2007, which consisted of 12 episodes. Um, I don't think that you can actually find those in many different places, but um, yeah, seems uh, seems like it's going to be pretty good. We'll we'll see when it finally comes out. And then Tomb Raider, uh, Lara Croft is also getting her own uh, Netflix adaptation. Uh, this one seems to be following more closely to the reboot, uh, the uh, was a 2015 reboot of the series. Um, mostly, I, f I feel like that's it because uh, they show a picture of all the characters from that game. Um, so we'll see uh, we'll see what happens in this one. Uh, the animation style is not is I mean you know it's fine. Um, it, it looks more like a a, a more stylish kind of. Like, do you remember the Mortal Kombat movies that, that have come that animated ones that have come out recently? It kind of reminds me of that where it's. It's good animation, but it, it feels a bit stiff at times. So uh, we'll see. Uh, this one is being put together by Legendary Television, um, who I guess they have a couple of things under their belt, but they're not apparently good enough to list them here in the article. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Is, is this going to be better than the movie that came out a while back? Well, we'll see. We'll see. We had a couple of games being delayed. Uh, first off, City Skylines 2 has been delayed on consoles. Uh, it is still releasing on October 24th for PC, uh, but the game has been pushed back for consoles like PS5, Xbox, etc. to spring of 2024. This also means that the Xbox Game Pass release is going to be pushed back as well. In an update, Paradox Studio said that they needed more time to reach the quality targets it has for the console release. As we want to provide the best experience for our players, we are updating the release window for Xbox and PS5 to spring of 2024. The additional time will allow us to focus on matching the quality and performance across all platforms. This also takes the game out of the uh, equation for the craziness that is October in the video game world landscape. Although if you are a PC player, um, you'll still be able to play it on the 24th of October on Steam and other places as well. So there you go. You can check it out there. Banishers Ghost of New Eden has been pushed back from its October 2023 release to 2024. Um, so in a post on Twitter, they said, with, with so many unforgettable games in 2023, it's important that each of them shines brightly. Banishers Ghost of New Eden is no exception. Though finished and set for release, we want Red and and Taya's story to get the spotlight it deserves. As a result, with our publisher's focus on entertainment, we took the decision to postpone the release on PC and console to February 13th, 2024. A perfect date for an epic, lovely story. Thank you for your patience. So I do think that it's a good move that they did this. Um, but you do wonder about the wording here. With so many unforgettable games in 2023, does that mean that Banishers is going to be a forgettable game? I hope not, because I am excited for it. I think that everything that they showed off has looked good. The gameplay previews and stuff like that have looked really well done. I am excited for it. Um, so I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, obviously, October is still really packed, but 
it seems like more game, more and more games are pushing their way out of October, and Banishers is no exception. Uh, but the exception is Hellboy Web of Word, uh, which hit a small delay. It is still releasing in October, but instead of being on October 4th, it is now coming out October 18th. Uh, not much was said in the press statement, but they uh, but they did say that developer Upstream Arcade is still hard at work ensuring that all players, longtime fans, and newcomers to Hellboy uh, receive the best experience possible. So a two-week delay isn't too bad, but this also does push it closer to both Alan Wake and Starfield and Mario Wonder. So you wonder if they should just push it back even farther, which they might eventually. Um, you know, I think this is only a digital release so they could push it back as many times as they want but um whether or not they want to release this game in the middle of such a crazy week um yeah i don't know i i'm not sure but um yeah we'll we'll see how that looks when it comes out um everything that i've seen about hellboy has looked pretty good um so yeah we'll wait for that release uh first hellboy game in quite some time probably since like the ps1 or something like that and the top off are delayed section of the podcast uh, the first paid paid dlc for dredge has been delayed in, until 2024 originally a plan to release in 2023 quarter four 2023 the iron rig has been delayed all the way back to 2024 now there's no specific release date yet um but uh i would guess that's early 2024 planned in the background here in the press release, they said, we plan to spend a few months crafting this exciting edition and release it in quarter four this year. However, as we progressed, we were forced with we were faced with the reality that given the time of year, we need much more time to coordinate our marketing and make the launch as exciting as it could be. So um sounds like either they're having trouble with the timing of it being like, Oh, well, we don't really want to release it in, you know, this this kind of spooky game in Christmas time. <laughs> So we're gonna push it to next year. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Dredge was Dredge was great. Uh, I I talked about it a, a, a little while back when it came out back in March, I think it was. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a very fun and unique game. And um, yeah, definitely gonna check out the DLC when that comes around. All right. So uh, Meta, aka Facebook, actually more specifically the Meta MetaQuest VR device is going to allow you to play games from Xbox Game Pass with cloud gaming, which is kind of crazy. You can play hundreds of high-quality Xbox games, including Halo, Infinite, Starfield, and Forza, all on a massive screen you can take with you anywhere. So the main uh, the main like gimmick of this headset is that it can project a TV-like quality screen right in front of you, no matter where you're looking. Um, there's some glasses that do that as well, but this is a VR headset, so it's even more immersive uh, and probably more high-quality detail than those glasses are. But um, pricier, that's for sure, even though I think the glasses are like $1,000. This is probably going to be like $3,000. Who knows? Um, but this was revealed during the MetaConnect 2023, and you might be asking, oh, yummy, why aren't you talking about any other MetaConnect things? Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll quote The Fugitive. I don't care. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you'll also be able to use the get cloud gaming feature on the Quest 2 and 3, so you don't need to have a 3 in order to do this, but you will need at least a 2. Um, it's weird that the, they didn't show any VR games. Like I know there's Fallout 4 VR, and I know there's a few other Bethesda games that are VR capable, so maybe they'll eventually add those to the service, um, but it might be more difficult to port games from VR headset to VR headset. Um, so we'll see what happens. And finally, for the news today, 
EA's FIFA series has been completely delisted on all storefronts, including Steam, Switch, PlayStation, Xbox. Uh, EA is, of course, rebranding the FIFA, the FIFA games to FC blah 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 fc24 is the, is the one coming out this year um but they they had i guess they have to completely take down all the other fifa games from this digital storefront since they use the old fifa naming convention uh, which they lost the rights to uh last year so now if you try and look for anything before fifa 2023 uh, they will no longer be available for purchase even though 2023 is technically still available up until uh the release of fc 24 um i believe that um yeah they're just planning on taking them all down so at the request of the publisher ea sports has unlisted has been unlisted on steam on the steam page and other places as well um which means that uh these are going to become pretty expensive games no i'm kidding (laughs) they are not going to become expensive games most fifa games do not retain their value past the year that they are released much like madden and nba games uh, so definitely, you know, don't 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 go to the bargain bin or you know go to the uh, used store and buy up a bunch of you know one or two dollar FIFA games from the PS3, PS2, PS4 era, because they're definitely not going to be any more valuable than they are right now. All right, let's move on to the next part of the show, which is what's coming soon. Okay, Marvel Spider-Man Two is. At this point, less than a month away, of course, they have detailed the accessibility options for difficulty modifiers in the game. You can tweak several things, including challenge level, enemy health, enemy damage, stealth awareness. Uh, you can simplify puzzles. You can have the dodging and parrying timer be more accessible. Uh, chase assist, which is probably like if you're running after a car or something like that. The game speed, you can actually turn the game speed down from 100% to all the way down to 50%, I think, which I guess would help with uh, people who have a problem with uh, quick reaction time, stuff like that. Um, you can have enhanced auto-aim. Um, you can uh, rebind all the controls for the game. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good things there. Uh, and then also you can implement the new audio accessibility options in the press release they said additional options and the heroes gallery of accessible features at launch are our audio frequency controls these will allow players to disable the uncomfortable sounds with our high frequency cutoff like high pitch ringing low frequency cutoff like bass or explo- of explosion or a custom setting with the notch frequency filler filter so you can better enjoy pete's classic quips as he thwips back a detonating grenade. Insomniac also confirmed that there will be more accessibility options arriving in a post-launch patch, which includes audio descriptions, screen reading functionality, and uh, probably multiple language captions. So those will be coming later in a December update, apparently. Uh, So yeah, there you go. Um, Some good stuff for people who need it. Of course, most people probably aren't going to touch those at all. Cuphead is getting an anniversary update for Xbox and PC, but not PlayStation. Not yet. Uh, PlayStation is going to be getting the, the update probably at a later date, or maybe not even at all. It's hard to say. Uh, in the press release, they said that original sketches, concept art, process footage of painting or model work, unused music tracks, orchestra session footage, you name it. 
Knowing that we wanted to give our thanks to the Xbox community that has shown us love from day one, we really thought about the kinds of things we would want to see if, uh, as fans of Cuphead. The goal was to make this update feel like a real peek behind the scenes at what went into bringing this game to life across all parts of development. So this anniversary update will add a gallery, a music player, and a, bes- a behind-the-scenes videos for the process of making and creating the game, which is really cool. Um, we really didn't see a look behind the curtain like this uh, back when the game was coming out. I know they had a video that had some behind-the-scenes footage, but not like not like this. Um, so very cool. Uh, a free update from MDHR Studio. And uh, hopefully it'll come to PlayStation eventually if you're a PlayStation user. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. F099 has added five additional tracks. Five additional tracks, along with the Queen League being added to the Grand Prix pre-mode. You'll, um, so the five new tracks are Mute City 2, Port Town 1, Red Canyon 1, Whiteland 2, and Death Wind 2. Now, I haven't played this game since last week, so forgive me. Um, I also never played the original F-Zero game, so a lot of these tracks are going to go over my head, of course. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always love to see new tracks being put into a, put into the game. Like, I definitely want to see that, and we'll see if they add even more in the future. So, very cool, very cool indeed. Um, can't wait to try those out in the near future. I definitely will get back to this eventually. Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. Uh, there's a chart that they released showing the different frame rates and resolution that the game will be able to be played at. So the chart is pretty much across the board, 1920 by 1080 at 30 FPS for the original game, Metal Gear Solid 1. Uh, The only time that you have a dip in resolution is in the handheld mode on Switch, which dips to 1280 by 720, but it still is at 30 uh, 30 frames per second. The second and third games are all going to run at 1920 by 1080, except for the handheld mode, which also runs at 1280 by 720. And the... uh, um, and the FPS is 60 across the board, except for the Switch. In both handheld and TV mode, it's only going to run. At, uh, the games are only going to run at 30 FPS. So, um, kind of crazy there, I guess you would say. Uh, they couldn't reach the target of 60 FPS on the Switch. In TV mode, I feel like that should be doable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, nothing too crazy there. I mean, these are these are pretty old games. I mean, the first game is what over. 20 30 years old at this point so i mean what do you expect (laughs) uh this is still due the land on october 24th 2023 if you want to check out this collection of games coming soon the last case of benedict fox which was an xbox game pass exclusive for a little while is coming over the playstation in with the definitive edition uh this will also be coming to uh the other the, the update will be coming to other platforms as well, but it's finally coming to the PS5 uh, soon, it says. Coming soon. So it's probably going to be sometime in October because this is one of those like spookier kind of games, I guess you could say. Uh, the Definitive Edition is going to um, patch a f- number of issues on the Xbox and PC. It'll tweak the combat and animations, rebalance some enemies, and update the UI on- and map markers to make it easier to work out where to go next. So if you want to check that out, that'll be coming to PlayStation eventually. But it's already available on Xbox and PC if you want to check it out there. The Talos Principle 2 has a release date now. Uh, prepare to have your mind melted on the 2nd of November. Um, so if you don't know what the Talos Principle is, it's a high-quality puzzle, first-person puzzle game. 
uh, where you solve various puzzles with crazy sci-fi um, inventions, I guess you could call them. Uh, the first game was was pretty pretty difficult, uh, uh, and it definitely makes you gets you stumped on multiple occasions. I'm, I'm guessing this one's going to be about the same. So uh, yeah, Talos Principle two coming November second across the board. Angry Birds VR Isle of Pigs is getting a PSVR two version next month. It's going to be releasing on the tenth of October. Actually, this month, the tenth of October. This is coming around. Um, it's the same game as the PSVR game. Um, so if you already have that version of the game, you only have to pay ten dollars to have the PSVR two version, or you can buy the entire game for what thirty dollars or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's pretty much just like a first person version of the critically acclaimed Angry Birds series. It seems to use the movie characters instead of the original games. Um, I guess more hand drawn, you know, cartoony kind of characters. But uh, yeah, it looks like you go into a bunch of a different environments using all the different birds they can think of. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it looks fine. Um, with it being a re-release of a game, probably not going to pick it up until it's on sale. But uh, there you go. Also, Among Us VR is finally heading to the PSVR two. It's come pretty much everywhere else, but it's finally releasing on the PlayStation VR for $10. Quite the steal, honestly. Um, this is the same game you all know and love. It's just in the first-person perspective. And, of course, I believe there is um, that local mic thing going on. Um, what's it called? Proximity Chat. Yes, and, uh, of course, you'll do pretty much everything you did in the original game. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, Among Us at this point, it is what it is. It's a fun game to play with friends and stuff like that, uh, and probably to play with random people too, sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, probably not going to be getting this one unless other people get it who I know, and there's enough people who I know getting it. But uh, there you go. The new update for the uh, for Sonic Frontiers is out now, the Final Horizon update. Uh, this adds a couple new missions and also makes... Amy, Knuckles, and Tails playable. In addition to the new narrative event, um, there is a new island. And, of course, you can have the three characters search for the Chaos Emeralds to help the Bluebird on this island. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I never finished Sonic Frontiers. I thought it was fine. Um, maybe I'll try it out again sometime in the future. But, uh, yeah, this is the last update drop for the game. Um, the last update drop had a jukebox mode, challenge modes, photo mode, um, new open zone challenges and stuff like that to celebrate Sonic's birthday. And now the Final Horizon comes out to celebrate the end of Sonic Frontiers. Horizon Forbidden West is getting a complete edition, which has been officially announced by PlayStation. Um, this is coming to both PS5 and PC. So there you go. Um, so oct October 6th is the day that you can... Buy the complete edition. It's also hitting the Steam and the Epic Game Store a little bit later in 2024, early 2024. So you got to wait a little bit longer for that. It'll be priced at $60, which is $10 less than, or $20 less than the original version of the game. Wow. <laughs> uh, it includes the Horizon Forbidden West game along with the Burning Shores DLC. You get a digital soundtrack, an art book that's also digital. You get Horizon Zero Dawn Volume 1, a digital comic book, The Sunhawk, The Sunhawk is what it's called. You also get a some extras in photo mode, special poses, and new face paint, along with the Karja Behemoth Elite outfit and the Karja Behemoth short bow, 
the Nora Thunder Elite Outfit, the Nora Thunder Sling, the Apex Claw Strider Machine Strike Piece, and a resource pack to give you a little bit of a boost at the at the start of the game. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, that'll be available soon, October 5th, Horizon Forbidden West Complete Edition. Uh, Hidden Gems Volume 1 is bringing four classic Commodore 64 games to the Switch, and it's already available now if you want to check that out. This is being developed by Imagine Software LTD. This collection will see the return of some uh, pretty obscure games, in my opinion. Uh, so you got Horus Goes Skeen. This is, this is a game where you play as Horus, an 8-bit hero. Um, in this game, he... He needs to get skis and then go down a skiing hill. I need to dodge uh, trees and stuff like that while also going through the flags. Gilligan's Gold is another game coming to this to this collection. Uh, this is a game where you go around a dangerous mine trying to grab large pieces of gold. Climb ladders to reach new areas, grab bags and go of gold, and transport them to your wheelbarrow at the top of the screen. But watch out for the deadly bandits. Mutant Monty is a, a surreal game from Arctic Computing, which saw players take on the role of the, the titular Monty, who wants nothing more than to get rich and, and be recognized as a hero. Go through 40 different levels, including a bizarre environments like the Pit of Eternal Slime, the inside of a neutron accelerator, and the desolate waste of Pithor. Dodge dangerous enemies and collect piles of gold. And then finally, Nomad. Um, and it's a top-down shooter from Ocean Software. You take control of the Nemesis Organization Mobile Attack Droid, or Nomad. 471... Oh, the Mobile Attack Droid 471. In an attempt to stop the machinations of a unspeakable, vile Cyrus T. Gross. <laughs> All right. He's the greatest criminal in the universe. So you can pilot the Nomad through Talos... Uh, his heavily armored homeworld, solving puzzles, dodging hazards, and shooting fiendish enemies. There will be a checkpoint system in the game for progress. Um, so this is coming to the Switch and other places as well. Kind of interesting, I guess. I don't believe it's getting a physical release, so it's it's digital only at this point, but it would be cool to get a physical release eventually. Um, Commodore 64. A lot of people don't really think of this console, and I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. It's uh, this is this is already available to play some of these classic games. Uh, here's a game I never thought I would be talking about: Foot Clinic. This game is also available right now. Foot Clinic is a game where you solve people's foot-related problems. Uh, foot fetishes of the world unite. Um, essentially, you get a random foot, and it could be hairy, and it could be disgusting, and it could be stabbed with glass. Um, but what you do is you clean the toenails and cut the hair and fix the foot's problems, maybe even add a tattoo to the foot. And then the person does the uh, freaking Opa Gundam-style dance after you fix their foot problems. Um, this is a disgusting fucking game. This is, this is, this is shovelware at, at its worst. Um... Here's some, here's some stats for the game. 12 different tools for treating and beautifying feet. Mechanics of squeezing pimples, cutting nails, cleaning and shaving, and more. Lots of patients with various foot problems. Testing and vaccinating sick clients. Uh, available tool skins to make the game even more funny. Uh, equipment, furniture, and decoration upgrades by, of course, fixing people's feet. So, yeah, this is a particularly 
gnarly game. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. It's $5 on the Switch eShop. Available now. All right, let's 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 move past that. Here are the PlayStation Essential Games for October. And, of course, you can download these on the first day of October. I'm sorry, the first Tuesday of October, which is the 3rd of October. Uh, you're going to get the Callisto Protocol, Farming Simulator 22, and Weird West, all available on both PS5 and PS4. Honestly, this isn't a bad month. Uh, Farming Simulator 22, I don't know. I don't really care about that. Uh, but Weird West, it's a pretty fun top-down RPG uh, from what I've seen, I didn't play it myself, but it seems pretty fun. And then the Callisto Protocol, it's like half a good game, half not a good game. So, you know, you get like the amazing graphics and um, and incredible visuals and, and great audio design, but you get like the terrible combat and the poor story. <laughs> um, but it's still worth a playthrough, I would say, especially because uh, I believe the, um, the DLC came out for it or a big update that added an actual ending to the game. So there you go. Um, so... Yeah, you know, and not a bad week, all things considered. I mean, Callisto Protocol, that's like the first $70 game that we're getting for free here. So can't really complain about that too much. And then finally, one of the games for November for PlayStation Plus Extra has been revealed, and it is Teardown. It's been given a 15th of November release date alongside a confirmation that it will be available through PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium uh, from day one. Uh, so this is the game where you just knock things down, <laughs> I guess. Um, it's a mission-based sandbox game where you're tasked with completing various objectives, which involve tearing things down, including, uh, what, robbing a bank, uh, destroying buildings, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, that'll be on the PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium tiers in the future, in November. Pretty cool. Alrighty, let's go ahead and move on to the final part of the show, which is the closing and where we get everyone's favorite, Guess That Song. If you can tell me the song name and the game that's from, I'll give you a super reaction in the Discord or or a like and a heart in the comment section with a congratulations on YouTube. Let's go ahead and listen to today's song right now. Okay, if you know what that song is, let me know in the comments below or on the Discord. Uh, this month, it's October, folks. So here's a hint. I'm probably going to be doing horror games the entire month. So that's that's a hint for y'all out there. Uh, congratulations to Coco, a.k.a. Lucy, who got uh, the last episode's song from Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, The Rogue Port Sewers. A very bopping song, one of my favorites from the game. So let me know if you know what this song is. Uh, if if you do know, you get you get you you win some emojis, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> uh, but that's gonna do it for this episode of Fair Sixty Four. Do appreciate you for tuning in, stopping by, and saying howdy do. I've been Yummy the Ferret, of course. If you want to check me out on Twitch, uh, it's www.twitch.tv/slash Yummy the Ferret. We stream Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Of course, it's October, so we're doing our Spooky Games Month, and to start it off, we are playing The Last of Us Part 1, the remake of The Last of Us, which I never got around to playing last year, um, so it should be a good game to start off with, and then we'll go from there. We've got a lot of games planned. We'll see how many we can get through this year. 
Um, if you want to join the special Halloween bingo, uh, that's going to be starting up on the second on, on Monday, the second of October. Uh, and there's fabulous prizes for that too. You just got to sign up in the Discord. And uh, other than that, um, not much else for me to say except I'm also on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. It's all at Yummy the Ferret. And also there's the Yummy the Ferret Vaz channel where I upload past streams and shorts when I feel like it. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all. Don't forget the, to rate the podcast on Spotify or review it on Apple Podcasts. Also, leave it a like on YouTube if you so desire. And as always, I'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. The Ferret 64 Podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.